This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, it's been an interesting couple of days in Brooklyn Nets basketball. Uh, We'll try to hit on these issues. Kyrie Irving, which I know has been talked about a lot. Uh, the firing of Steve Nash, the hiring of Ime Yudoka, and oh, by the way, the basketball team that's off to a dreadful start. Evan Roberts, Mike Biseglia. All right, let's start off with Kyrie. I've spent a lot of time talking about it on the air. Carton Roberts, it's one of those net stories that actually gets talked about. We don't need to just do it on a podcast. We all know what happened. Kyrie Irving tweets out a link to a movie that I think we could all agree is anti-Semitic. I think we're all kind of on the same page about that. He meets the media a few days later, gets into just an absolute battle with the media. It doesn't go well. More build towards what the hell's wrong with Kyrie? What's wrong with the Nets? What about the NBA? What about the Players Association? And finally, on Wednesday night, a little less than a week after Kyrie Irving put the tweet out in question, he released what I wouldn't even call an apology, but I guess at least realizing what he had done. And he did it in conjunction with the Nets and the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League. And real quick, I'll read it and we'll, we'll give you our thoughts. I oppose all forms of hatred and oppression and stand strong with communities that are marginalized and impacted every day. I'm aware of the negative impact of my post towards the Jewish community, and I take responsibility. I do not believe everything said in the documentary was true or reflects my morals and principles. By the way, that's the money sentence. I am a human being learning from all walks of life. I intend to do so with an open mind and a willingness to listen. So for my family and I, we meant no harm to any group, race, or religion of people and wish to only be a beacon of truth and light. Your thoughts. Uh, I it's that's not enough. I I mean he has to speak. I mean he has to go speak and talk to people and talk to the media and say how he feels. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. It's a PR move for them. And does it help on that front? I think so. I think it does. I think it will um temper some people's feelings and temper things around the league. And from a PR move standpoint, I think it did its job and what they needed to do. And it's better than nothing from that standpoint. If you're looking for the Nets as an organization. But I personally need to hear him say it, talk about it, and express it. And the papers just, for me personally, doesn't do it. Yeah, and I think if he if he meets the media, doesn't answer questions, but at least communicates, I think that may be enough. Because the problem is if he gets into a back and forth with the media, it's going to go bad. Like, for example, I'll give you one example right now. You don't believe certain parts of the documentary are true, specifically which parts. You know, once it becomes a specific thing, it'll be ugly. Now, I've always said I'm a sucker for good for a good apology. I've always said that to my wife. Just give me an apology. I'll, I'll get over it pretty quickly. That's what I think he misses here. He just didn't offer any kind of apology. Just a I guess he he understands he offended people and he feels bad about that. But there was no. I'm sorry. 
Now, here, here's the real bottom line here. And maybe I'm cold-blooded when I say this. I don't root for athletes because they're great guys. I never have. We didn't root for Jason Kidd because he was a great guy. Obviously, you don't want a guy who does something illegal. They should be arrested and serve their crime. You don't want somebody who's a racist or anti-Semitic on your team. Absolutely. But I'm not looking for that much because I don't sit there you know, looking at my athletes as role models. I never have. And I learned that at a very young age when my favorite player was Jason Williams, and then he accidentally murdered somebody. So maybe I'm the wrong guy to ask, but no, it wasn't a great apology. He didn't even apologize, but I'm also not getting nuts about everything an athlete does. And for those who say, don't root for this team anymore, how can you support this team? If you start playing that game, you won't root for any team. I mean, you don't want to go down that road because there are a lot of guys on teams you root for that are bad guys and the organizations know it going in. And so I try to teach my sons this too, as they're learning sports, you admire their athletic ability. You root for them to win because they're wearing the Jersey of your team, but I'm sorry. I'm not putting any athlete on a pedestal. That's just me. I, I personally felt really conflicted. Uh, and I, you know, people that don't know me completely well. Like I went to my first Nets game when I was probably eight or nine years old. My first Nets memory was Drazen Petrovic dropping 44 on the Houston Rockets. I mean, my lineage of net love goes very deep. I had season tickets. I went with my dad to 40 plus games for X amount of years. I saw a lot of crap basketball and then I saw some good basketball and I fell in love with the Nets. I am a person of the Jewish faith and I wouldn't say it defines me by any stretch of the matter, but it is a big part of my life. It is a part of my life that has been there. And to see what had happened and to see what had Kyrie had said, it it's funny. And I I first saw it and I kind of like put it to the side. And I was like, this is Kyrie just being nuts, acting out like, oh, why? But whatever. But then the more and more response I saw, and this is where it started to click in me how messed up this is. When I saw, even though it should have been enough, but when I saw people reacting to it and defending it and agreeing with it, I started to get nervous. And I was like, what the hell is happening here? And that point on, I said, I, I don't I don't want Kyrie Irving on the Nets anymore. And that's why I, I, I officially made that decision. And I know all the other stuff. Now, with that said, yeah, he's on the Nets. Like, I don't, the net, my love for the net will trump anything that he does. I'll always love the Nets. And he can only push me so far, but it's a weird feeling. And I don't know if this, I, I'm like conflicted by this because I have a sense of guilt then watching the Nets because I love them. I want them to win a championship more than anything. I've put in too many hours watching this damn basketball team for the past 32 years of my life. But at the same time, I'm so embarrassed by Kyrie and his actions. It's just a weird place as a fan. But I did find it was kind of nice and the game sucked. But it was kind of nice to be like, <laughs> at least it was basketball, which was like right. a weird distraction from it. But at the same time, it was like he was on the court. You couldn't get away from it. And I just feel I just feel icky about the whole the whole thing. Three weeks from now, a month from now, he's playing great teams winning. What do you do? You still feeling icky? You over it? You say, hi. and I, by the way, there's no right answer to this. I don't know the answer. Do you think you know how you'd feel? I think I, I mean, I can't speak for, you know, um, four month later, Mike, 
but I can say probably still feeling pretty icky about it, still feeling pretty, pretty bad about it. Uh, but, you know, call me a hypocrite then if I'm rooting for the Nets and they're playing well. I'm not going to not root for that. You know, no, uh, you're, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I get that. I, but for some reason in my head, like I keep defining that I am. But I, 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 I'm having a hard time compartmentalizing the, the two. I know, I know this isn't a perfect comparison because there really isn't a perfect comparison. I think we always try to make comparisons and say, what about this? What about that? There's no perfect comparison to this. But I remember when the Mets made a decision to bring back Jose Reyes in 2016. And I was on the radio saying, how the hell could you do this? This guy was just suspended for domestic violence. I don't want this guy on my team. And I gave my opinion. I didn't want him on the team. They brought him back. He got a standing ovation. I didn't cheer him, you know, kind of like the last few nights. I'm not clapping for Kyrie Irving. But then when the game starts, I hope Jose Reyes ripped triples up the alley. You know what I mean? Right. And it's not that you move on in this callous way where you're uncaring, but you have your opinion. The team didn't listen. I'm still going to root for the team to do well. Mm -hmm. And I know, again, not a perfect comparison, but. That's how I felt about that. I remember as a Jet fan when they brought in Michael Vick. I didn't want them to bring in Michael Vick. I didn't like the idea. I didn't want to root for him. But then guess what? I am rooting for him to throw touchdown passes because I'm a Jet fan. So yeah. no matter what you think about Kyrie, if you're listening right now and you're not offended by it, you don't think it's a big deal, okay. You know, If you are offended by it, I, I this is the, at least the way I've always reacted to it, where, yeah, he shouldn't have tweeted that. It was anti-Semitic in my opinion. And they needed to show some level of remorse. He showed a little bit. Is it enough for most people? No. But when games start, I'm literally watching the game, rooting for a team to win, not rooting for the ideology of a player or even caring about that player. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I understand it. And, it. and it goes back to that. And it, it it's, I, I start to think like, I the nets are bigger than Kyrie Irving and yeah. all of all of my love for the nets has nothing to do with Kyrie Irving. It has to do with those moments with my dad. It has to do with those moments when we've gone to games together and we've watched loss after loss. It's all of the baggage that has been kept up and that's the way I'll approach it. Uh, it's the only way I think I have to approach it in the way I watch this team. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, but I don't, I don't know how I'm going to feel moving forward. I think because this is something that's like uncharted territory for me personally, just the way this whole story has come together and developed that it's a, it's an odd one to watch happen in real time. Right. So I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I, I, I don't think the team's any good and probably won't matter, but <laughs> right. just like seeing it in real time, you know, I, I, I will feel icky about it, but yeah, I'm going to root for W's over losses and that will never change. So here's what, we were warned about when the Nets signed Kyrie Irving. And I think we'd all admit the Nets made the right decision. It may not have worked out, but it was the sound decision with cap space to sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving as disappointing as this era has been. Sure. But the one thing we were warned about was there'll always be something with him. Yeah. And it's true. You know, we couldn't have predicted a pandemic. We couldn't have predicted um, a vaccine mandate. We couldn't have predicted a tweet with a link to a movie on Amazon. We couldn't have predicted a reaction to world events that caused him to say, I don't want to play basketball for a while. Sure, we couldn't have predicted the specificity, specificity, whatever, of what he did, but we could have predicted for a while there would be something. Yeah. And that's why, okay, this too shall pass if you believe that. Well, there'll be something else. 
<laughs> There'll always be something else. And that's why, like, they could win an NBA championship this year, which is probably not happening. I don't think there's any way they resign this guy. I don't no. think there's any way because there's always something. So for anyone who's a Celtic fan who warned that to us, they were right. Now, we didn't disagree with them. I think we kind of knew, yeah, you're right, but we'll take the drama. We'll live with the drama because the basketball will be worth it. Obviously, that hasn't been the case, but there's always something. It, Pandemic ends, uh, vaccine mandate ends. Bro, we knew, okay, there'll be something. Ladies and gentlemen, the something. Yeah, and shame on on me. Per, like I, I remember going into this season when he came back and he was saying all the right things, and I thought to myself, you know what? I think Kyrie Irving's going to be on his best behavior. I think he's not going to do something to stir stir the pot and get controversy. He might get injured. He's injury prone. He's sure. going to miss some games. But this is a contract year. He's saying how he knows the value of what he needs to bring to the Nets this season. I fell for it. I, I fell for it. Hook, line, sinker. I was like, you know what? This is going to be the time that he does it. I was so wrong. It took five games and then this one trumps all the rest, right? Like you could go into the, you know, last year's max uh, vaccine mandate. And there's an argument that you could make in the conversation. This doesn't have an argument. This is, this is hate. It's not accepted. Shouldn't be done. Last year I was like, okay. Vaccine pro-vax anti-vax your belief here. This is the mandate. New York got this. Kyrie believes this. It, there was kind of like a conversation about it. He's now taking it to levels where it's like there's there's a there's a video that you're promoting, and in the trailer, in the first thirty seconds, is Hitler. I mean, the the, the conversation's over. It just right. he 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 has found a way to even say like, "All right, Biseglia, you really think so? Watch this. <laughs> Remarkable." <laughs> All right, so that's story number one, Kyrie Irving. It's been talked about everywhere. Story number two, they decide to fire the head coach. That, that to me, is not controversial either. I think we talked about it when we were previewing the season. At the first sign of trouble, they're going to fire the head coach. He's the first guy to go. And, you know, it was two and six. I, I guess at the time it was two and five. Right. Because Jacques Vaughn coached the Chicago game. Okay, is two and five enough? Yeah, because they probably should have fired him before this season began. Mm -hmm. You know, your star player publicly demands a coach be fired. A coach that most of the fan base doesn't think is any good. And by the way, we're right. He wasn't very good. And one thing that really annoyed me is this idea that Steve Nash did a great job in year one. That, oh, come on, he was an offensive mastermind in year one. What have we all learned about year one? We learned that there were two key assistants on his staff that had a lot to do, supposedly, with the team's success. Mike D'Antoni on offense, Ime Yudoka on defense. Both of those guys leave for a variety of reasons. Yudoka to become a head coach. D'Antoni, because he's just sick of the S, or whatever it is, he's mm -hmm. done. And what happened? It exposed that Steve Nash was not a very good head coach. So would you agree? Maybe the timing wasn't when we expected it coming off a victory. But after they lost that disaster on Saturday night against Indiana, yeah, they fired the head coach. They should fire the head coach, right? Yeah, no, they definitely had to fire Steve Nash, as you pointed to before. I mean, to, they should have been gone before the season started. But I, 
part of me was like, I think Kevin Durant, although he was playing well, it didn't, it almost, and it wasn't the James Harden level. I thought I saw some parts where I was like, I think there's some form of conspiracy to get him out, out of the here. And it just felt lack of energy. And it, you know, it felt as if they didn't, weren't playing for him at all and had an idea that there was another coach waiting that they wanted to sign. And yeah, I think Steve Nash had to go and I'm a hundred percent a supporter of this decision. Yes. The timing was, was, was crap. That's just the way it is with the, with the scenario of the early start. It happened. Uh, I do think there's a little bit of of Steve Nash becoming the scapegoat for the problems that this team had. Right. And like, Oh, this, the reason the Nets aren't winning is because of Steve Nash. He's the reason the team's not very good. Good. And I, I think that's a bit of an extreme statement. He had to go because he lost the locker room. But this idea that a new coach is going to come in, wave a magic wand, and they're going to be champions is just absurd. Like they're, they're so far from anything, even resembling a playoff team that can win games. I don't care who the head coach is, they are so far away from anything that resembles a team that has any form of that. They, they suck. <laughs> they're not good. <laughs> You know, I suck. Trust me, I know. We all know. I I agree right now. It feels tough to imagine that a new head coach, even a competent head coach, is a magic elixir. Uh, As far as Durant's concerned, I know there was, I think it was Saturday night against Indiana. I apologize if it was a different game where he didn't look to make shots. And he was basically standing on the baseline, just watching the offense as it was going. I didn't take that. Maybe I'm being naive here. I didn't take that as Kevin Durant quitting or Kevin Durant being disengaged. I took it as I want to see my teammates do something. You know, I want to challenge my teammates to actually produce because you can't win on a nightly basis if you're going to rely on KD playing 38 minutes and him scoring 35 a night. That's not realistic. Plus, they have enough talent on this roster where they shouldn't have to rely on that. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's because of what we know about Kevin Durant that I didn't take that as him being disengaged necessarily. I think one thing we've seen from Kevin this year, whether it's the amount of turnovers or it's the soft 30-point performances, like Isaiah Thomas said, which I I sort of agree with to an extent, not completely. I think you're watching a guy who's 34 years old, who's still really, really, really good, but maybe not quite as good as he was in his prime, whether it's last year or even years before that. So I don't think it's a disengagement. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, it's tough to get into somebody's head, right? I think it's that he's a little bit older. And as good as he is, he may not be as good as what he was at his peak. And that would terrify me way more than than the other because I've stated this and I and I and I believe this. I don't think for as much blame as Steve Nash got for as much blame has been put on this franchise for all the other things that have happened for Sean Marks, not being able to build a roster around Kyrie and KD. I think the biggest problem for the Brooklyn nets from a basketball standpoint, don't get me wrong. There's bigger problems off the court. We've stated. I don't think Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant as a tandem are good enough to lead you to a title. They're just not like I look at Giannis. I look at Luca. I look at Jason Tatum. To me, these are guys that are at the point where they can lead teams to titles. I see the Nets, and I just think they aren't good enough from the top 
And because Ben Simmons so far has not been a third option, not even close to one, I'm not like, oh, they get Udoka. They'll get better. They'll get better defensively. They'll have schemes. They'll win games. But I don't. I just don't think Kyrie and Kevin Durant are the superstars that we're making them out to be right now. Well, I think the other thing you hit on is Ben Simmons. This team was built when they made the Harden trade on three superstars. Not two in a really good supporting cast, three superstars. And when they were forced to make the Harden trade, the hope was, while Ben may not be ranked as high as James Harden in terms of being an all-time great player, he's a different kind of star. But he was a star. Mm-hmm. You know, Say what you want about him. He was an all-star caliber player. Maybe not an all-time great caliber player. Clearly not. But a star player. He's not playing anywhere near that. No. And forget about the fact that now you got to worry about a knee issue and he's missed the last two games. But he was playing like a guy that you actually don't even want on the floor, let alone like a superstar player. So I think this team, this franchise has many, many, many issues. And yes, winning a championship feels a billion miles away right now. The biggest of those issues, though, from a basketball standpoint, maybe Ben Simmons. Um, just one thing, though, about Nash and Udoka and him becoming available that I remember I thought five years ago, and I know it's unorthodox, but if you remember the New York Mets were looking for a manager after the 2016 season, they had fired Terry Collins or Terry Collins left. However you want to define it, Terry Collins was gone. And the Mets decided to hire a first-time manager named Mickey Calloway. About a day or two after, maybe a week after, but it was after, the Mets had zeroed in on hiring Mickey Calloway. A surprise announcement was made, something none of us saw coming. The New York Yankees had fired, essentially, Joe Girardi. I know his contract was running up, but I think at the time, we all just assumed, well, look, the Yankees, they're in the ALCS. They've surprised everybody. They're going to keep Joe Girardi. And all of a sudden, Joe Girardi was available. And I remember, bro, going on the radio saying, look, I know this is unorthodox. I know this is weird. But when the Mets hired Mickey Calloway, they didn't know this guy would be available. They didn't know. So is there something really, really wrong with the New York Mets saying, let's hire Joe Girardi? We didn't know he was going to be available. Sorry, Mickey. We appreciate it. But when we went through the process, we didn't know a team that just got to the seventh game of the ALCS was going to fire their manager. Now, Ime Udoka becoming available is under far different circumstances. We hold that aside for a second. Don't worry. We'll get to it. When you see that Ime Udoka, a guy who was on your staff, a guy that just completely outclassed your head coach in a best of seven series. When you see magically he's available and you're going to do your research. And clearly the Nets came up with their research that says, let's hire him. Mm-hmm. It took a few months, but they they're going to come to that conclusion. Is there really anything wrong with saying, Hey Steve, sorry, we actually changed our mind. We had no idea that a guy who was one of the best coaches in the league in one year would become available to me. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you, you didn't know that that guy was going to be available. So yeah. once the Celtics suspend him, and yes, for the sake of this discussion, we'll get more into it later, you realize, hey, we're comfortable with hiring him. We don't have as big of an issue as the Celtics do who are suspending him for a year. What's wrong with pivoting? No, there's nothing wrong with pivoting on that front if it's just a pure basketball standpoint. I mean, look what happened in Toronto where 
The Raptors said, see a Dwayne Casey. They promoted Nick Nurse from their G League. And the rest is history where this team goes ahead and then wins a championship. And they made the right decision because they realized that their assistant coach was actually, or their G League coach was actually going to end up being a better head coach than Dwayne Casey, which ran its course with the Raptors that couldn't get over the hump. Then they win a title with Nurse and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, it just, it's hard, Evan. And I, this is the part where it's like, when you're piling it on top of all the other steaming crap, it's just, it's almost, it's almost impossible to believe that in this setting and situation, this is where the nets are going. And I, there's so much uncertainty with what's happened in Udoka's past in this past year with Boston. But I would say from a net standpoint, from this team that's always had problems since KD and Kyrie got here. Like what makes you think that in three or four months, when more information comes out, there's going to be like, this is what they, this is what happened while in Boston. And it's going to get to the point where the Nets are going to be like, we got to fire you now. Like inevitably (laughs) that's what's going to like to me. I'm like, if you read the way this organization works in two months from now, when something comes out, and it's like four people said this, five people said that, you know, and I, I hate like, like, look what happened with Deshaun Watson. All of a sudden these reports started to come out and then decisions had to be made when that stuff surfaces and it will, then the nets are in another poor decision. And so I'm not like, okay, now tomorrow, Friday, when he coaches, it'll be all right. But what happens in two or three months when all this stuff comes out and all of a sudden the nets are like, we got to fire you. Like, well, that could the- happen. The the Nets right now have zero credibility. They they have absolutely no credibility. So, you know, when they announce Ime Udoka as their head coach and Sean Marks inevitably says, hey, look, we did our due diligence. Uh, we're comfortable hiring him. He did some things that were wrong, but not enough to warrant a year-long suspension in our mind. And so we're comfortable with hiring him. No one's going to believe him. And nor should we like right now, Sean Marks for all the good he's done in, you know, saving the nets from the Billy King era. He doesn't have any credibility. Now, what I think the nets are doing right now is they're saying we have to win. And that's the cure. All the cure all is just win. That's what they're thinking. And email you Doko from a basketball standpoint. And I'm sure you agree with this, but if you don't let me know is the best hire. Yeah. He's familiar with Durant, familiar with Irving, even familiar with Ben Simmons. Um, And he's a really good head coach. Through the one year that he had in Boston, he did an incredible job. Celtics were a 500 team. They played great basketball over the final 35 games of the regular season. And we all saw what they did in the postseason and what they did to our team. So from a basketball standpoint, this is a great hire. Okay? Basketball. Hear me out. Yes. But the reason he's available is because he did something, and there's all sorts of rumors about. Well, he was he got he was doing this, he was doing that. Here's what I know: there was a report released, Woj had it, about a month and a half ago from the investigation that was done, and it says that he was having uh, a relationship, an inappropriate relationship with a subordinate, and that he used inappropriate language. He did something. Obviously, that was warranted for the Celtics to say, we have to suspend you. And so there's nothing Sean Marks could say that's going to make you and I or anyone else say, oh, I trust them. They did their due diligence. It's all fine. (laughs) Nothing. 
what did I wonder what they actually did? Like what that what did they do? Like what actually? Uh, I I I'm scared to ask. I mean, what I mean, and they're, and they're gonna have to answer these questions. I mean, the media will be a good distraction for no, Kyrie. You know what? Like what but, what are they what are they gonna say? Like how do they what do they say? I would assume, well, what the Nets say is that that's fair. I bet you they're going to say we can't talk about it. You know, we did our research, trust us, but we really can't talk about what, you know, was done in that investigation. They're going to keep it private, just like the owner of the Celtics said, we're going to keep it private. But what I would predict to you, and I'm not sure it's going to happen today or tomorrow or in the next week, is that stuff will be leaked out. And it'll be leaked out coming out of Boston because they're going to make him look bad. They're going to make the Nets look bad. And by the way, not making someone look bad, releasing information right. that they deserve to look bad, by the way. I don't want it to make it seem like they're creating something to make them look bad. It may be real stuff that makes them look bad. What actually happened behind the scenes. But this is a desperate franchise. You know, you talk, you but you and I and all Net fans being desperate to win, and we are. I haven't seen any of my teams win. You've seen the Giants win. We're desperate, desperate to win. But the Brooklyn Nets right now have a level of desperation that's through the roof because they yeah. know this Durant Irving era has been a colossal monumental failure. Big time. It has in ways. None of us could have imagined. We couldn't have imagined. <laughs> no. no. And so this is their, Hey, we, we got to do anything here. We're right. not going to suspend Kyrie Irving. Cause that hurts the team. We're going to bring in a head coach, the best coach for this job, who sure was suspended by the defending Eastern Conference champions. But this gives us the best chance to win. Doesn't mean they're going to win. You don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win. But that's where they're in. They're in desperation mode. And keeping Irving active and bringing in Udoka without a shadow of a doubt, whether it works or not, gives them the best chance to succeed in this mess. And can you imagine, I don't know the date, but what it's going to be like when Udoka and Irving go to Boston? And that, I mean, that is bizarre that it got to, it got there. I mean, the whole scene is going to be incredibly strange. Uh, just, just, just makes no sense. Yeah, Udoka is the best coach in the whole world that you could find for the Nets at this point. There's nobody in the whole world that would be better. He was he was on the staff. He has the respect of the players, and he proved that he can be a great head coach, which he did for the Celtics in year number one. And yes, the respect that he'll garner from Kevin Durant, I don't know what it'll be like for Kyrie Irving, but I, I know he'll change the mood and tenor in that locker room where the guys are starting to believe in each other and they will win more games with him as the head coach. I just know, just, uh, just know, just back, just based on the fact of how this team trends. Yes. You're making the point, Evan, that they're so desperate, but every move they make fails. Every move they make comes with a poison pill. That's worse at the end. Yeah. And I just don't see, I just don't see this being any different where at some point something will come out that will get him in trouble rightfully so if he did something and then the nets will be back in a terrible position and Jacques Vaughn's going to be like how am I still here why am I coaching these games at some point I need to leave this organization yeah look if I'm a betting man and I'm not saying this because I'm being negative I think I'm saying it based on following what we've witnessed (laughs) over the last four years 
this is going to be a colossal failure. You know, when we were making our predictions before the season, the one thing I was right about, because ultimately I, I chose the side of things will happen in a good way. But I said, either this is going to be really, really good or it's going to be really, really bad. Right. I don't see a middle ground. And I ended up at the end saying, ah, it'll be real good. We'll 158 games. We're going to go to the NBA finals like a schmuck. It's been really, really, really <laughs> bad. Yes. And I think we're along those same lines that this is either going to continue to be really bad or it's just all going to come together like some freaking miracle. But here's what they're betting on. And they're right about this. They're 100 percent right about this. Right now, the Nets are the center of New York City, which is rare. You know, they've yep. tested the boundaries of nobody cares about the Nets. They are yep. talked about. They're talked about for all the bad reasons, specifically Kyrie Irving a little bit now with this Udoka hiring. So they're going to get through the storm, it looks like. I think so. They're going to get through the storm. All the, the attacks, the back page of the New York Post with the Net logo on fire, all that. And about three weeks from now, probably less, no one's going to talk about the Nets. They're going to disappear into the back of the public conscience in New York. It's all about the Jets, all about the Giants, all about the Knicks, all about the Aaron Judge, all about Jacob DeGrom. The Nets are going to be completely forgotten about. And if they win, no one's going to bring up Adoka and Irving. They will maybe, you know, partially, but it isn't going to be the lead story anymore. And that's what they're banking on. Banking on the fact, you know, they're going to fade into the background and then come April, if they're in the playoffs, that's going to be the discussion. And that's what they're going for because winning does cure all. Right now, it's easy to say it doesn't because they're not winning and because it's freaking November. But if somehow by some miracle, and again, I'm not banking on it, they start winning games, they get the last laugh. We get the last laugh ultimately because at the end of the day, I can tell you right now, as much as I wouldn't go down the road of bringing an email, Udoka, unless I know more, which I don't, as much as we all feel icky about what happened with Kyrie and how he hasn't faced any consequences. If they rattle off 12 wins in a row and everything's clicking, trust me, bro, you'll be happy. They are the most, they are going to be the most hated team. Uh, it's, it, there's going to be so many people rooting against this Nets team. They already I mean, are. I mean, it's going to be like to epic levels of like going on the road, uh, in other opposing buildings. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be nasty. For the Nets, who are so hated. Who said it? Who said that the Nets might be the most hated basketball team ever? I mean, they're just, they're so unlikable. I, I Kudos to anybody that can, like, find ways to like them. I am <laughs> disgusted by them. No, I, I, I am I, too. I, 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 I just, am too. I just, I, I was, like, watching this, and I'm like, everything this team does, just like, I just do not like you guys as a team right now. You just make me mad and yeah, angry. Yeah, but, but, but Mike, 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 I agree with you. You know, I was there the other night. They're just, what's to like? I agree with you. If they start winning, you don't think you're going to start liking them? Of course I will. No, of, of course. course I will. I know. I know. It, yeah, no, I get it. I Look, get it's the it way sports works. And, I, and we all just have to be honest about it. That's how it works. And by the way, and I mentioned this the other day, we all look back at the Jason Kidd era as the golden days of New Jersey Nets basketball. The whole franchise was built on a guy that beat up his wife and that's why he became available. Like it's disgusting. 
Jason Kidd's a bad effing guy. You know that. I know that. We all knew it. And when the Nets are in the NBA Finals, were you happy? Yes. Yes. Now, it doesn't make you a bad guy. That doesn't make you endorse what he did. But that's what that team was built on. It was built on the fact that the only reason he was available is because he did something heinous. Mm -hmm. So, look, I'm just going to call like it is. Winning does cure all. It's the truth. It it doesn't make us wonderful people. Doesn't make us bad people. But that's it's been the test of time. You know, we've all rooted for bad guys. And by the way, that's some bad stuff we're talking about. But ultimately, you're not rooting for the human. You're rooting for the team. Until Kyrie does something else in four weeks, and then there's something (laughs) else to deal with. Because, you know, at least Jason Kidd was like fake apologies for people. You're right. Disgusting act. But you're right. You know, I, I just I think I think it would go a long way for Kyrie Irving to just legit be remorseful and realize what he had done. And I think it's just so weak to hide behind a statement. And I would never, if I ever made a mistake and I did something wrong, I, I personally would, would face the music and I hope I, if I don't have to, right. Nothing like this, of course, but just, just go out there and, and just don't be, don't, don't contradict yourself when you talk, give of you, if you're going to enlighten people, actually enlighten and have a conversation and not push back and take back and forth. And I just, I want, I want to see an apology. I think, I think that would, I think that would go a long way for me, at least I can't speak for other people, but I would like to hear him sound remorseful and understand what has happened. And I, and I would, I would, I would really appreciate that. So the nets are two and six as they begin this road trip against the Washington wizards and the Charlotte Hornets, they will likely do so with a brand new head coach in Ime Yudoka. But we all face a very important question. And I know some Net fans are already at this point. I'm not quite there yet. But there's going to come a point where you say, no more last-ditch efforts. This did not work. Mm-hmm. This was a failure, and you have to cut your losses. And that really means trading Kevin Durant, because that's the only guy who's right. going to present incredible value back. Kyrie Irving... You know, I guess if you think the Lakers are still desperate, maybe you get one of their unprotected picks along with taking back the contract of Russell Westbrook, which means nothing because it's an expiring deal. Uh, Ben Simmons has no value. Joe Harris, unless he starts playing better, has no value. So really, it's the trading of Kevin Durant. So here's the way I look at it. You tell me how you would handle this. My D-date is January 15th. And maybe that's too early. Maybe you can wait another month, really, until right up until the NBA trade deadline, where you say, okay, what is this team? Okay, no more excuses, no more hypotheticals, no more wait till this guy comes back. You have a new head coach coming in. You, you, you're you relatively healthy. You know, Kevin Durant's playing, Kyrie Irving's playing, Joe Harris is playing, Nick Claxton is playing, Seth Curry is sort of playing. He's only played one game. Who knows how seriously hurt he is. Hopefully Ben Simmons comes back. But even if there are injuries, no more excuses. I look at January 15th, and the reason I brought up that date is it's a Sunday, and then the Nets go on an extended road trip. They go away for a while, a brutal West Coast trip. It's 34 more games. So they've already played eight. You do the math. That's 42 games. That's half the season. The trade deadline is February 10th, so it's about 25 days later. 
You want to give it another week or two? Totally fine. All right, whatever. Maybe when we get to January 10th, January 15th, we're still going to be confused. I don't think we are. I think we're going to know. Either this team sucks, it's bad, blow the whole goddamn thing up, or you're going to say, hey, this team's pretty good. Maybe this is actually going to work. Uh, that's where I'm at right now. That's the yeah. date. January 15th is D-Day. 34 more games. We can all reconvene, and I think it's going to be a unanimous feel on where this team's at, but that's my date before I, I detonate the bomb and blow this mess up. Let's say, Evan, like Kevin's Durant's playing like he's been playing, right? He's scoring. He still has some turnovers. This level of Kevin Durant is the he stayed relatively healthy. And the Nets aren't playing well. And they say, yeah, we got to we got to blow this up. Do you think his trade value goes up because a team's desperate and is closer to a title and as opposed to the offseason? Or at this point, it's like the Nets are not getting the value that was even remotely close to what they had wanted. Let's say Jalen Brown trade. That's not even on the table anymore. And the Nets are basically just just getting like maybe one young player and some picks. And it's really not that good. Ah, it's it's a tough question. I, I don't know the answer to that because really you just need two teams to really want them, create a bidding war, and there you go. And I guess I would look at it this way. Why wouldn't the Nets, with Kevin Durant having three and a half years left on his contract, still playing at a high level because that's the assumption we're going with, that he's still playing at a pretty high level. Why wouldn't he get back? what James Harding got for Houston because we were desperate. Well, there were two teams involved. I mean, that's really what it was. It was the Philadelphia 76ers and it was the Brooklyn Nets. And that's all you need. You need two teams to really, really want a guy and think, hey, this is going to put us over the top. So assuming you can get two teams, whether it's Boston and Toronto or Phoenix, the same kind of teams we talked about, maybe it's Miami. Um, can you get, teams to think well this makes us an nba champion you know maybe the celtics say to themselves boy we're good but we're not the bucks and you know, we're not quite as good as milwaukee what puts us over the top oh yeah kevin durant does i would think and a complete guess because who the hell knows i would think the trades are equal to what was out there which was not enough obviously for sean marks to pull the trigger they were not oh my god these are amazing deals but they were solid and I would think it would be similar, uh -huh. assuming he's healthy and assuming he's playing really good basketball. I, and before this, before the season started, when the season started, I said, I think Durant makes it through the year. I still tend to go in that direction, but I've definitely now got into the thought process where anything's on the table. I like if, if he's not on the nets by the deadline, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And it, it almost seemed predictable as opposed to, man, I had so much false hope going into this year, not thinking they would be amazing, but I definitely thought they would be competitive and give drive and take the regular season seriously. But it is, it is, um, well, because it has not gone that way because this roster is flawed. I mean, no, no one's going to question that, but they should not have a roster that's this bad. And that's the thing that's so kind of mind-boggling about it, that, you know, even with Ben Simmons playing at the level he's playing at and Joe Harris trying to get his legs back, 
this is not a team that should be two and six. This is no. not a team that should look the way it's looked. This is not a team that should be steamrolled in the fourth quarter against the Chicago Bulls. This is not a team that should struggle to get a split at home against the Pacer team, though they do have some pretty good young talent, I must say. Um, <laughs> but not enough. I know. I get like, it. That should not happen. And so it is, it's only eight games, I, I admit that, but it's stunning that they're this bad. They could mm-hmm. very easily be 0-8. Very yeah. now. You could also say the reverse of that and say, well, sure. they could have won the Dallas game. They could have won the Milwaukee game, all that. All of them. But it is pretty stunning how just bad they are. And that's why I kind of agree with you that I don't believe Udoka's the magic fix. He's the greatest last-ditch effort in terms of coaching, and I understand why they're doing it in terms of that. But if I had to predict right now, they're going to trade Kevin Durant. And mm. my hope would be this. If they end up trading Durant because they want to blow this whole thing up, let it not be stretched out with rumors. Let it just happen. Mm. One day, let the Woj bomb fall on our heads. Uh. Let it be that way, as opposed to Kevin Durant has reiterated his trade demand. The Brooklyn Nets will definitely canvas the league. Like, I don't want this thing dragging out. I just want it to happen. Right. But by the way, you should agree with me, and here's why. You don't think this team's turning around. You think this team sucks. If this team sucks... Of course he's going to be traded. See, I think they're going to get, as negative as I've been, I think they're going to get, and I still stand by what I had said before the season started. I think this team is going to be good in the playoffs, but not great. And right now they're at the extreme of it's been a disaster. I think they'll write the storm, get better, and then lose. And then just, just flame out in the playoffs and be done with. And the Hawks beat them in six. Something like that. Like, I think they're going to get better. From a coaching standpoint, I think they're going to respond. I I just, I don't think talent-wise, once they face teams with, um, in in the playoff spots, I I don't, I don't think they're, they're going to get it. I just don't think they're going to get it done. Well, the, the, the biggest thing that's so tough to predict is what the hell is Ben Simmons? And the early Mm -hmm. returns are, he's a shell of his former self. And I think there's a myriad of reasons just watching him so far. Number one, I still think he's afraid to go to the free throw line. Number two, he's not as athletic as he used no. to be. And by the way, I want to I make something clear. He is coming off back surgery. He did miss 16 months. This doesn't mean that's it. Like, okay, this is who he is. Get used to it. Now, the odds are he'll never be the guy he was in Philadelphia two years ago. But that doesn't mean what we're watching now is necessarily the finished product. But it's definitely giving you some major warning signs that if he's going to be this diminished player, well, our expectations have to be lowered in a major way. And then it goes back to, how do you want to use him? You know, Steve Nash's game plan right out of the gate was, I'm playing Ben and Nick a lot. And then by game three, hey, maybe I should get most of Ben's minutes at the five, since basically the Nets don't have a backup five for Nick Claxton anyway. We've all watched Dayron Sharp. How is Adoka going to use him? Because here's the other problem when you say Ben's going to play the five. They don't have a freaking point guard on this roster. No. Edmund Sumner's not even a point guard. Kyrie Irving's better playing off ball. Addy Mills, to God, is not a point guard. Like, I don't know if they can go deal for one. And I'd also be very, very hesitant to trade picks. I got to tell you right now, if you're this close to blowing it up. Yeah, you can't. And they should be. How the hell are you going to take any of the rare draft picks you have that you got in the Harden deal and start moving that? Like, if the Nets take off, all right, they take off, 
then I could understand saying, all right, you know, we really believe we're one player away. But I'll tell you right now, I can't be throwing draft picks at this mess at this point. How no, no, maybe maybe Cam Thomas gets involved because he's well, we'll see what happens with the new coaching staff. But he's so out of the room. I mean, he hasn't played a second since I think the first game. He's getting no run. You know, is there is there any value there where a team's like, oh, we could use a score as a young guard? Uh, and to the Ben Simmons point that like how bad it's gotten, you know, you watch the broadcast and it's like, I feel like we're 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 applauding Ben when he does like a simple move and scores. Yes. And it's like, oh, look at that. And then I'm like, I thought to myself, I'm like, Patrick Williams of the Bulls, who nobody's heard of, like made moves like that five times. And it was just like, oh, that's a nice move. If Ben Simmons made one of those moves, it was it, it would become like a celebration. Like, wow, did you see that? He, he showed that he can he can spin and, and he took the shot in. And it's like there's guys in the NBA that the casual fan and even has never heard of and is doing this every single play. Um, it's it's gotten so bad where we're look just and I do this, too. I do this, too. So I say the broadcast, but I do it, too. Where I'm like, oh, did you see that? It's like so desperate for anything positive, Ben, that we're just missing out. Like, yeah, I, we've all been, it's like, wow, did you see that one play? And it's like, we're grabbing on to that yes. one play that he had at the 202 mark. And it's like, man, that's that's not that big of a deal. In a lot of ways, we're kind of Philadelphia reversed. <laughs> yes. Uh, what I mean by that is I know you already know what I mean. The Sixer fan hates Ben Simmons, which I, I totally get. I, I'm not telling you not to hate him if you're a Sixer fan voyeuristically leading to this listening to this podcast right now. Uh, I totally get why you hate him, but any bad thing he does gets blown up and goes viral. And I think we, in a way, are doing the opposite where we see something good, like you mentioned, and we get excited and say, ah, you see, Ben still has it. And what scares me is I've seen this before. I've seen it with other washed up athletes. Again, not saying Ben definitely is because it's only been a handful of games, but Roberto Alomar, Roberto Alomar did very bad, like never did good things for the Mets. But that rare time he did something. Ah, that's the Robbie Alomar. There <laughs> right, is. right. He's right there. You know, and you know, even Darren Williams at the end. You know, a little bit mm -hmm. of ah, look at that. Kevin Garnett. Ah, you say it's Pierce. Yeah, we we do it all the time. He needs to be consistent. You know, if Ben Simmons isn't going to be a fifteen, eight and eight kind of guy that all-star caliber athlete that he was, that's a huge freaking blow. Yep. It, it is because when they were forced to make the James Harden trade, that was the salvage. The salvage was, well, maybe they did us a favor. We got younger. Well, I don't care what Ben Simmons' age is. <laughs> right, you know, he exactly. looks old and he's playing old. And that in a lot of ways is the biggest flaw with this team. It's, it's terrible, man. It really is, you know, because there was so much hope when we hit the jackpot, or at least we thought hit the jackpot, in getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. The fact that we are here where we are and we have seen one series victory, we've seen three head coaches, we've seen mm. more dramas than wins. Mm. It's just so depressing. And I think we'd all agree, though, yeah, do it again. If you have a chance to add Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you're going to do it again. How can you not? Yeah, it's just it's been such a depressing failure. Yeah, and it's uh, I I agree with that. 
I, I go, go go back in history. Of course, you have to take that plunge. I nothing gets me more irritated on social media than the guy that's like, they gave up Allen. They could have had Allen, Lavert, Dinwiddie, uh, uh, those Nets, and you'd be happy. It's like, no, nah, <laughs> you had to make the you had to take the risk. Come on, well we would have been, be... fun, but you have to take the chance. Even though it's been awful, and uh, those Nets would have been more fun. And yeah, they probably could have won as many series. They had a they had a limit. And well, that, you but know, that's the problem. Like yeah. that nineteen team was oodles of fun. No one's denying that. But they eventually, excuse me, you need to win. You know that wasn't going to be fun the following year, and the year after that, and the year after that. And here's the big misnomer: all those guys that they lost was because of James Harden, not because of Kyrie Irving. I know and Kevin Durant, Jared Allen was here. Karis mm-hmm. Levert was here. Spencer Dinwiddie was here. Look, they lost Spencer Dinwiddie, and we called it at the time because they got cheap. I'm sorry. There's no other reason to explain why they didn't bring him back. And then when they have a chance to make a sign and trade for Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell, not saying that would have been earth-shatteringly amazing, but tell me right now, could the Nets use Spencer Dinwiddie? Too, oh, so bad. Oh, so bad. They let him go, and give me a good reason why. They right. let him go because they didn't want to pay the enormous tax bill. And that's the problem, man. And I'm not putting this all on Joe Sy, but in that particular case, that one specific player's case, how do you let him go for second round picks that you end up basically dealing away because you want to rid yourself of DeAndre Jordan's contract? Like, yeah, what are we talking about? Oh, I know. And, and then I think back to the season where Dinwiddie gets hurt and against the Hornets, whatever that was, the fourth, fifth game of the season, he's lost. It's just always like just. Maybe that was the first sign of it where things weren't going to, uh, well, the year before Kyrie in the bubble. But when Durant's here, it's like Dinwiddie gets hurt. It's just uh, always something. Well, what, what, what annoys me, and I know Craig wasn't being serious about it, but I was pissed when they let Dinwiddie go. And I said it on the air. And Craig's like, I don't get it. How much talent do you need to win? Because the Nets looked loaded at the time. And I said, you never have enough talent. Because you never know what's going to happen next. You don't know that. And so to let a guy go that way, and I'm not saying this whole thing is because of that. It's not. If we want to pin it on one guy, it's probably Kyrie Irving. I mean, let's let's be honest about that. Obviously, there was a lot of bad luck in 2021. You know, James Harden hurts his hamstring in game one. Kyrie Irving gets hurt by Giannis Antetokounmpo in uh, game number three. Three. uh, Game four. It was a three. Yeah, game three. It was game four or game three? I think it was game uh, four, dude. It was game yeah. four. Okay. Because game three was the winnable game where Bruce Brown is taking, you know, big floaters down the stretch. Right. Uh, and they right. blew an opportunity to go up 3-0, and I was so pissed off. Uh, that, that game night. sucked. I was so pissed off that night, but it's like, ah, you're still up 2-1. Yeah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Whole freaking franchise came crashing down, basically, after that is what happened. And then obviously the vaccine mandate and, and everything that just went along with it. It's boy, we'll have a story for our kids. I'll tell you that, Basaglia. Yeah, we'll I was all thinking, have a big story for our kids about this franchise. Yeah, they're, I was thinking they're definitely going to do some sort of thirty for thirty thing on this Nets era. It'll be fascinating. Well, it's it's the biggest, and this sucks, but it's the biggest what if in sports history, specifically with Harden, Irving, and Durant, mm-hmm. that we never fully, fully saw it. We never did. By the way, let's play a quick game on a lighter note. Sure. I was thinking about 
Ime Udoka, the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. And I was thinking, all right, when I was a kid, my first head coach, when I first understood Nets basketball, was the great Chuck Daly. And it was only here for a couple of years, but they were in the playoffs both years. And when I think of Chuck Daly, I think of, you know, good, decent Nets basketball. Right. A lot right. of other people think about the Detroit Pistons. I just think of good, fun Nets basketball. How many coaches? Huh. And I'm not looking. All right. Okay. And you're not okay. looking either. How many coaches in a row can we name? Can we go the full kind of mm. list of daily to Adoka? And if you want to trade off guys, so uh, like I'll go with guy number two because I specifically remember guy number two. I know, yeah, I know. Guy. You go and we'll see how far we can go with this. I yeah, I, I know where I'm gonna get stumped because it's a, it's that Avery Johnson um PJ Carlissimo-ish era, and I'm blanking on the interim coach. All right, well, <laughs> I, I know where that's. I'm just telling you. All right, that's I'm gonna stop. That's where my mind is. All right, you want to start with Chuck? You want me to start with Chuck Daly? Or uh, you you wanna... can start with Chuck Daly. I think I know who was after that. I think I know my timeline. All right, go ahead. Butch Beard. Butch Beard. Next up, John Calipari. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Um, and then Coach Cal was there. I have to talk this out. I apologize to everybody. <laughs> Coach Cow was there. They he was the fired run. early in yes. 1999. There were huge expectations yes, after yes. the 98 season. And I think they were like three and 17 and they got rid of him for yeah. this uh, late they, assistant. Right. And then they, that's when Marbury got dealt. So he became the, the, the Nets point guard, man, I'm spacing who, who, who took his, who took Dwayne his Wayne Casey. Wow. Dwayne Casey filled in for Cal after he got fired in that 99 season and then coached the 2000 season. And then, then Scott came in next or my, or my spacing on someone oh, no. in between hundred percent. Then it was Byron Scott. Then yeah. it was obviously Lawrence, Lawrence Frank. Frank. Yeah. So this is, this is now here's where I get tripped up because L Frank coaches the team. He gets off to an Owen 16 start. And I know, and you know, that Kiki Vandeweghe eventually took over. Yeah. But there was somebody else. Oh, I can see his face. The... <laughs> there was another guy who coached a couple of games because Kiki needed time to get ready. And because I don't think he wanted to be the coach that started the team off 0-18 or something like that. Do you know the name? No. Okay, I don't. I, I, I got to look. I, yeah, I'm gonna look it up right now. I but think I, don't I can wanna... see his face, and I'm curious if it's the guy I think it is. Oh man, yeah, I got. Okay, I got the guy. You ready? What's the name? Yeah, a longtime New Jersey Nets assistant. His name was Tom Baris. Yeah, that's exactly who it is. I would I, honestly, I completely forgot about that one. No, I got to. I'm Google. I'm spelling his name wrong, but I have to Google this if it even comes up. Google even knows who this is. <laughs> yeah, not happening, but I'm writing it wrong. I think I know. I, I Does he have dark, like, black hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a that, larger man. Yeah, okay. So we yeah. had L. Frank, Tom Baris, and Kiki Vandaway. Then, go ahead. I'm Evan, it's 11. Eight, I am, I, you go. <laughs> I, my brain is, can I curse? Avery, yes, curse. My go brain on. is fucked right now. I'm so tired. <laughs> Who, who's, just tell me. Avery Johnson, PJ Carlissimo, uh, 
Jason Kidd, obviously. Well, there was there was an interim. Oh no, I'm thinking post Kidd. Yeah, then no, the no, inter- they, yeah. this is where it gets. I totally with you on this. It was Jason Kidd into Lionel Hollins. Wow. And then there was somebody somebody else after who, Lionel. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me hold on. Let me pull it up. Uh, I. You know what, dude? I never would have gotten this. Who is it? Tony Brown. Yeah. There's only one person I know that could do all this. Dolan J. Trump could do this. <laughs> he could. He legit could. He knows the Nets that well. Then after that, we got Kenny Atkinson, Jacques Vaughn, Steve Nash, Jacques, Jacques Vaughn. Vaughn, and then eventually Ime Yudoka. Wow. And we'll what be a... back to Jacques Vaughn at some point. <laughs> yes. Some after point. something really nasty leaks about Ime Yudoka, we'll go right on back to Jacques Vaughn. Who would you say is the, is Scott the greatest coach then in Nets history? Is of not of the or post daily? Would you say Byron Scott's the guy? Most success, even though he was just his ending was so bad. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because the guy was the head coach of a team that got the two NBA finals. No other coach has done that in the history of the New Jersey Nets or the NBA Brooklyn Nets. So even though L. Frank ended up coaching longer and he's Mm -hmm. credited as being a key assistant, it's tough not to say Byron Scott. They went to -to back-to-back NBA finals. Results matter. Yeah. We have to admit that. And outside yeah. of that, I mean, you know, PJ Carlissimo did a great job. You know, I, I know we're all bitter about the way that season ended, losing a game seven in their own building. But think yeah. about this. The team went 35 and 19 when he took over. They were down three games to one to Chicago. They were down three one, came back, forced a game seven. I, I it was just so de- so de- uh, debilitating to not win a game seven in your own building right. and lose the way they did. And then it obviously led to the big Boston trade, but they were down three, one in that series after they lost that brutal CJ Watson. Can't dunk the freaking ball game. <laughs> and, you know, so PJ, I, I, I could make an argument. PJ was one of their better coaches. Be it, sh- it shows you though. You say 35 to 19, the power of this is all sports, but the power of, the other guy coming in and then the spark happens. Like when Scott got fired and Lawrence came in and the Nets won yep. 86 straight games Yeah, and they went on their hot streak. So we'll see if, uh, we'll see if something similar, you know, similar occurs when, uh, when Adoka gets to town. That's the hope. Uh, either way, it's a very depressing time to be a Brooklyn Nets fan uh, real quick. Cause I did get a few people asking me this on Twitter, like three yeah. or four people. So it wasn't a great number. Um, I'm just putting Nets podcast on the Evan Roberts podcast. I can't commit. Mike can't commit to giving you a podcast on a consistent basis. The way we used to, we used to do it once a week. It's just, there's too much going on. I'm doing the Rico Bronia. Mike is very busy with the bad weather fans and all the other jobs that you have. So we do have a great Nets podcast. Keith McPherson does with Robin Lumberg called talking Nets. which you should absolutely check out. It's reliable. It's there multiple times a week. I think for us, it's, when we feel like talking about the Nets, when we both have time in our schedule, we'll plop it out on the Evan Roberts podcast. So that's just a quick explanation for why the Brooklyn basketball podcast thing isn't there. I personally can't commit to it, unfortunately. I know you can't, but we do love talking Nets. So every once in a while, we'll put it out there for you. Evan, you make it sound like the way you talk about the the podcast we're doing, we sound like the Nets. <laughs> what does that mean? You're like, yeah, we're not reliable. We'll be there sometimes. <laughs> when we try, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, but that's what you're getting. <laughs> hey, look, man, I'm I got. Just, I, I'm kidding. I get it. I'm kidding. Gotta be honest. Once I'm I made you. the commitment to doing Rico Bronya, which is a yeah. Met podcast twice a week, I was like, listen, it's a lot. I can't do another one. My wife will five-hour show. 
Say you talk. You, you do a five hour show. You're talking all day, five days a week. It's not like you're, you know, the, you, you're doing a radio show, too. Thank you. Thank you. So no one should send me hate mail all pissed off. All right. Every once in a while on the Evan Roberts podcast, we'll pop in Net Talk. And you can always hear Net Talk with Mike Biseglia, the bad weather fans with him and Alex, uh, where hopefully the Knicks will also suck. So you guys can just uh, agree that basketball sucks in New York City. Hopefully yeah. that's the theme for the rest of the year instead oh. of the Knicks being successful. Man, I was so depleted by the Nets. Usually I like check the Nick box score just to see them lose so I can feel better. It's like the first time in a long time. I was like, oh, I, I forgot to even check them. I was <laughs> like, and that I said, it's like, I don't know if that's a good thing for me or a bad thing, but it's okay. Like, I was like, let me, I didn't even think to check. Anyway. And then you checked and saw they got their ass kicked and felt great. That's true. It did help. It made me smile. Well, hopefully in a few months, we won't be creating fake Knicks, Nets, Kevin Durant trades, because that would be really depressing. Uh, Obi Toppin, are you giving up Barrett? Did you see enough? How about Grimes? Wow, he's so good. Quentin, the, 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 the French Grimes. Would, whatever this by is. the way, that would be the greatest turn to all of this. You know, the Knicks are decent. We suck. And we end up trading Durant for RJ three number one. Oh, my God. Would you do it? <laughs> Think hey, you know what? I'm thinking about it. You're thinking about it. <laughs> thinking about it. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, definitely check out Bad Weather Fans, and I'll be on with Craig 2 o'clock on the fan. Have a good one.